when I have a message that I can't finish, I usually put it in two parts. And this is a second part of the message that I started two weeks ago. Today's message, I have, instead of part two, I've given it a, a name, self-examination. There is a promise in my favorite book on Desire of Ages. It's 329. It's short, but it's encouraging. It says, The more weaker and the more humble that we appear in our own eyes, the stronger we will become in his in his uh, strength. If Peter, if Peter had recognized his weaknesses, he would have been prepared to receive God's strength. We're speaking of Peter now before he denied the Lord three times. You see, if our c- c- conviction. In our, in ourselves, the ignorance of our own condition leaves us like Peter to, to operate without the divine power of God. In Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all, above all things. Deceitful above all things. And beyond cure, beyond cure, who can understand it? I've had people to say, well, you know, I believe this or that. I know the Bible says this, but I know my heart. Well, not according to God's word, you do not know your heart. That's a contradiction of God's word. We do not know our heart. We was talking about the uh, this morning, the mistakes that we had made. And I look back at so many mistakes that I made because I didn't know my own heart. I didn't know my own heart. I didn't know how weak, <laughs> wicked that my heart was. But today I would like for us to look deeply into our own souls. Not, say, not simply to see our weaknesses and our, our failures, but to look there to be open and transparent before God so that Jesus can do what he desires to do in our hearts. Jesus speaks to us through his word, and as he he does, he says, let every man examine his own heart. At Pentecost, the time was right, and the disciples were ready. They were praying for this, for the emptiness of self so that they could be ready to, to, to go out and uh, go to the world in, min- in ministry. And, uh, but one thing they had to do, they had to search their heart. We're told that there were deep supplications for 10 days on their, in the upper room just before, right after Jesus had went back and the uh, the Lord had, uh, Jesus went back to the Father after, the, after the, uh, resurrection and the Father accepted his, his sacrifice. And at that time, the disciples were searching their own hearts. They were, they'd come together and they were searching 
their own hearts to, uh, so that they can be ready to do anything then that God asks them to do. That's one thing that God will not do. He will not, he's not be in competition with you. He's talking about self. Self, if you've got any of self in you, you would be in competition with God. And before God can do anything in your heart, self has to be eradicated from your life. And that's the, so it was time for the early rain. Uh, to time, the expression early rain comes from an ancient, ancient Israel speech. But the seed of the time was, was right. The seed was planted by Jesus when he was on this earth. And he germinated the seed. Germinated the seed and it, and it would grow. And abundance harvest was given. Three thousand souls were saved. Rainwater is symbolic of the Holy Spirit, where the rain, the water would come come to launch the Holy Spirit, to, to launch the Christian church. And the reason that I'm interested in that we study this, and study that, because I believe we're at the end of time. I think of the early rain and the way the messages go into the world. Uh, I, 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 right after the early rain, there's coming a time the ground has been it's been germinated so to speak, and well, there's coming a time when Jesus, I believe, very very soon the latter rain will start to be pouring out. And it was time to launch the Christian Church with with abundant uh, blessings that were, and the disciples were preparing their heart in the upper room. Now the disciples were open, open in their hearts to 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 enter to empty self and to be ready for everything that God asks them to do. And in Acts four thirty two, the Bible puts it this way: All the believers were one in heart. All were one in heart, one in heart and mind. In other words. Those who be, believe were together. Brother Jim mentioned the fact that we don't have any blind in our uh, in our church. I'm not too far from it. But I have a little trouble seeing, reading my own notes here, but uh, God is good. I there was a unity, and they were looking with into their own hearts to see that there was any barriers there. Any barrier between God and themselves and between anybody else and themselves. These, these, these were days of preparation, were days of deep heart searching. The disciples felt that, felt their spiritual need and they cried to the Lord for the, the holy unction of the Holy Spirit, for the work of, for the, so they could be equipped for the work of soul winning. What was taking place in their in their hearts? What kind of preparation was taking place? Because, friends, I believe it's time that we started preparing our hearts. Because I believe that very very soon we're going to see the the latter rain. What what's right now? I believe is a message is going to the world that's being germinated in hearts. I think that we 
haven't seen anything yet for what we're going to see. There's going to be a time of trouble, yes. But listen, Jesus has promised to be with his people. And after Christ ascended, the disciples were gathered together. And uh, and after 10 days of, of uh, heart searching and self-examination, the way was prepared for the Holy Spirit. The, 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 um, they entered the, their hearts were cleansed. It was consecrated and their soul temple was one that, Jesus, that the Holy Spirit could work in. Now notice carefully, these were days of humiliation. Uh, these were days of heart searching and days of self-examination. So the disciples knew before God, they knew before God, and they prayed like this, Dear Lord, test me. Dear Lord, come into my heart. Dear Lord, see if there is any wicked way in me. Lord, I, I want nothing between you and me. And I want nothing between me and anybody else. Lord, I want to have a heart that is cleansed for you. And in Hebrews twelve fifteen, the Bible puts it this way. Looking, looking diligently, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. And that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile, defile many. You notice the Bible talks about the root of bitterness. The root of bitterness. So there are roots and there are shoots. And the roots produce shoots. You notice under the, right under the, underneath the soil, there's, uh, this little root, the sun comes out, and this little root grows, sends up a little green shoot. And that shoot will produce whatever's in my heart of bitterness. If there is bitterness, it will produce conflict. And it will continue to, continue to grow. And, uh, and at the right time, the sun comes out of this little, this little green shoot is, it grows long, if it lo- grows long enough, it could produce a fruit. That happens in our own life, doesn't it? That happens in our life. There may be a root of bitterness in our life, in our own, in our, in our own heart. And that bitterness, in our heart, under the right circumstances, begins to to grow and produce the fruits of anger. And that shoot of anger produces the fruit of conflict. Or there may be or there may be in your heart the there might be the fruit of lust. And that root of lust begins to spring up and produces the fruit of immorality. And our, our thoughts grip us, and that produces the fruit of adultery. There may be the fruits of, it may be the fruits of dishonesty. And the, the fruit produces a cheating heart. I, I remember my, I was in real estate for 
a few years, I uh, received a good salary. I think it's one of the best jobs I ever had. Believe it or not, I quit it because I was going to have to fire a, a man. And uh, I used to, one of my maintenance men, one of the, in fact, if I was going to send him over on a job, they said, don't send that old Gabby man over here. And uh, I, was, I was thinking about an old Gabby man. He was only 61, but he was going to be retired when he was 62. And I couldn't. I couldn't keep it. The jobs were piling up, and I had other maintenance men, but I had to, uh, uh, I told my wife, I said, we're going to have to fire him. She said, she agreed with me it was going to be a hard, we decided to leave the job because of that. You know what? The new managers, they fired him within two or, th- two or three weeks, I think. But uh, a fruit of a life, dishonesty, and During that time, I went to my CPA to fill out my income tax. My company paid me a good income, but if I did something extra beyond what my job called for, I got a good bonus for it, and uh, I had quite a few hundred dollars uh, that I was turning in for my income tax. My CPA was my friend. And he said, Glenn, why are you turning this in? I said, well, aren't you supposed to? He said, well, you're supposed to, but nobody does. Because it wasn't on my my income. And uh, so, and the devil, it's amazing how the devil will, will uh, make you break God's commandments, thinking you're doing something wonderful. <laughs> and uh, so I said, you know, I turned to my wife and I said, we could use it. I had a young man working me from a little dysfunctional family, and I attended church, and I told him, I said, uh, anyway, I said, we could use that. He was talking about going to the Christian Academy in Mount Vernon. I said, we could use that to help support him. And yes, that was a good idea. I felt good about that until I got traveling home, got about halfway home. My CPA was about 30-something miles from where I lived. But halfway home, the Lord spoke to me. He said, render to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God. And as soon as I got home, I went straight to my office, and I called Bill, and I said, Bill, fill out an amended return. I want you to claim that. You know, I don't know. I Use your own judgment about it, but the next day I got the largest raise I'd ever got in my life. God does take care of his people. He honors you when you make the right decisions. But I'd like to talk to you about, and the Bible makes it very clear, that we're, we are to search our own heart. I uh, was talking about the, this morning. It was mentioned about the decisions that we made last week. That's a decision that I have made for some time now is to search my heart every morning. I ask God for the Holy Spirit in my life. I realize I've come to a place I don't trust myself. I've uh, seen what I've done when I did. I trust him. I don't. That's the first thing I do in the morning before I get out of bed. I ask God to search my heart, to see if there be any wicked thing in my heart. 
And I discovered something. Something happened. When it happened, I was on the conference committee and and the Ojai Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. And I noticed something. I noticed that they talked far more about the programs they had in church and how to uh, answer conflicts and uh, all of this and uh, objections, how to face objections. And I come home and I said, Honey, tell my wife, I said, Why don't we try it God's way? I can't understand what if they prayed as much as they talked about how to the different programs that they had to make you successful? I said, Lord, I want to empty myself. I want to do it your way. And I thought, I thought, well, I should. I was what I was average about. And I'm talking about the power of God. I'm not talking about myself today. I'm talking about the, when we give ourselves. Search our hearts, empty ourselves, and that takes some prayer to do that. In fact, the self is something that Ellen White says we'll have to fight, and the Bible tells us the same thing, we'll have to fight as long as we live. And talk about a fight. It's not a fight. It's giving yourself away so that, so that God can fight your battles for you. And that's the hardest thing in the world for most people to do. But uh, we went out. It didn't happen in two weeks. It happened that day. I was sold about one one literature work. I probably sold about one out of every three homes I went into, one out of three. My sales jumped 90%. 90%. And I was just absolutely amazed. The conference was calling, Glenn, which one of our pro- programs are you, are, are you using? And uh, I'm not using your program. I'm using God's program. But this has been my life for the for the last, oh, I guess probably four, 35 years anyway. I, uh, it's wonderful when you can trust in God, when you don't have to worry about these things yourself. Uh, this is some of the things that has happened. When I came here is a perfect example of it. I've never had a job given me in the Lord's work that there wasn't a counter offer. And uh, the president of the conference was a good friend of mine. He had been the he'd been our pastor in Hamilton. And so when I needed a pastor, the pastor was going on vacation. It seemed like I was going from one church to the other sometimes. He would call me. And uh, I remember the Lord told me we was, we was down here on vacation. We went to, as I worked my sister Joyce's. And uh, my wife and I had said we'd never moved down here. We loved her home. We lived in one of the best areas in, in Cincinnati, and we just truly loved it. And But one day, we was down here on vacation, and my sister said, you ever think about coming back down here? I said, I'm speaking for myself, too, I guess. I said, Bert would never do that. And she said, speak for yourself. And I said, it's okay. It's okay. And I did 
So immediately, Joe's investors started looking for a place, and that's where I'm at now. We did come down and chose a carpeted for it, and but uh, it's been a wonderful experience trusting in God. But anyway, this is what's what's happened, and it only happened after I had prayed every morning that God would empty empty my heart of self. There was an old man at Veterans Hospital. My sister called me Joyce, and she said, Glenn, there's an old fellow. He's 100 years old, and I believe he's 101. I, re I remember the name. Devonport was his name. And she said, now, I'm would you go over and, and uh, witness to him? And she said, now, I'm going to tell you. There's been other pastors there, and they haven't been able to do anything. He won't listen to any of them. My prayer has been for some time. It's my favorite prayer. Deuteronomy 31.8, that he will go before us and be with us. Listen to this. I went over and we prayed that prayer. My wife and I dropped on our knees. And Now, if I've been self had been in it, I'd have never gone after all those other pastors had gone to see him. But a Christian doesn't operate in, 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 in feelings. He operates by faith. We got on, I know we claimed that promise, Lord, go before us. And, and be with me. Deuteronomy 31.8. I went over, walked in, and I believe our testimony is, yes, God saved the world. That's beautiful. That's true. But make it personal that God saved you. And he sent me here. I, I told him, I said, you, know, God, you must be pretty special. God sent me here to tell you how much he loves you. But anyway, when I introduced myself, I said, my name is Glenn Trammell. I seen the family looked at each other, kind of odd, you know. And I thought, did I say something wrong? They said, just before you come here, Granddad was talking. There was no senility about this old fellow. Grandpa was talking about his best friend, his neighbor. He said, I always wondered what happened to him. And his name, they said, was Bill Trammell. I said, that's my uncle. You see, he might not have been willing to listen to the other pastors, but he was not going to dishonor his best friend's nephew. That and the Lord went before me. Brought that to his mind. He hadn't been in that area that my uncle had in 35 or 40 years. He prayed. I prayed to talk to him, prayed the sinner's he prayed with me the sinner's prayer. And for the first time, friends, for the first time in probably over a 100 years, the look on that old man's face, for the first time he felt peace probably in his entire life. The Shekinah glory was there. Well, I couldn't wait. And we rejoiced with the family at, and him. And I couldn't wait to call my, my sister Joyce and tell her what had happened. I didn't get to the phone fast enough. The family beat, beat me to it. She said, I've already heard. But that's a mighty, mighty working power of God. If self is not in it, if self is in it, there's not anything that he could do. He will not compete with you. Uh, we was my wife and I, we, one of the things we do, we are, we're in church every Sabbath. I believe that God meets with his people. I will not stand him up. That's one thing I will not do. So we have a church directory. 
And wherever we were at traveling, we always took it with us. We found a church that we could be in. And this day, we were in Richmond, Virginia. And uh, we usually rent a uh, motel on, on a Friday evening and go to church the next day and leave on a Sunday morning. I got up Sunday morning or, or Sabbath morning and I said, let's go. We have to go to, we have to go to, go to, uh, uh, Lexington, Kentucky. We have to go now. And, uh, Bert said, are we, are we going to take a, uh, go to church? I said, no, we have to go now. We, and again, self would have, self would have sent me to church. But when God says something, you do it and you do it right now. Don't try to put it off. We went and Bert's brother was dying of cancer. And uh, his wife was always there. She was an unbeliever. But he, she wasn't that day. He accepted everything and prayed a beautiful prayer with us. And about four, three or four months later, I conducted his funeral. And my wife, it was so easy. And my wife, was what assurance that she had that she would see her brother again. But we could go on and on. And I had, uh, she had a sister, or her, her, I'm sorry. She had a great aunt. This great aunt was around, she's about 90 years old at the time. But between 85 and 90, she published a book. And uh, the title of it was The Thoughts of a, of a Shut-In. And so we, we'd always, after church, we'd take a nap and then we'd visit our, our, uh, make the visits we would make. It had been about a month since we'd seen Sister Clay. So I, not Sister Clay, Bert's aunt, great aunt. And, uh, so I said, honey, we have to go now. And she said, we're not going to take a nap today. I said, no, we have to go now. The Lord said, go now to Sister Clay, or Aunt Clay's. And I went over and knocked on the door. She came to the door and she said, God just sent you here. My son just died of a massive heart attack. I think it was in, in the South Carolina where the son lived. But I've discovered that when God tells you to do something, you do it. I was kneeling here on, kneeling. At that time, I have dollar prayer in my home now, but at that time it was strictly over the fold. I put a new message on every day. Come to church to do that. And I was kneeling here every morning as I'd come over and have prayer, put a dollar prayer on. First thing done, the Lord kind of rebuked me after my prayer. He said, did you ever notice how selfish your prayers are? And uh, he said, if you might help you, if you had your prayer and tape it and record it and then listen to it. He said, you pray only for those in your church your biological family. What about the others in this county that, that's my children? I love them too. And he, in my mind, he showed me a, a, a poverty area over here in Whitley City. And I remember passing that area and the little children, it was in the summertime, they were running out half naked, no air conditioning, evidently. He said, told me how special that they were to him. But after that, and I, and then he said, Sister Fanny, I want you to go see Fanny, Sister Fanny Nail. You folks might remember Sister Fanny. Charlotte, you 
I'm sure if she'd been here for many years. Sister Fanny was, uh, she was in her 90s. And I said, Lord, that's on my list. I'm going to get that tomorrow. She said, he said, no, I didn't say tomorrow. You go now. You go now and see Sister Fanny. I went over and said, when I opened the door, Sister Fanny said, Glenn, I've been praying that someone would come and help me. And she, this was during the, this during the Christmas time. She made little dollars and this type of thing. She it was a big project, but some way she read uh, some article that was putting down Christians that kept Christmas, uh, kept Christmas. And I was able to share a lot with her. She, I explained to her. I said, you know, Christmas is a very special time for me. I would love for me Christmas every day. I said, I can't think of another time where more people probably accept Christ than at Christmas. We're not worshiping a day. We're worshiping a coronation of our Lord. And I'm glad they picked one day, whatever day that was, to worship the Lord just for that. But that's the wonderful Lord that we serve. One more. And sometimes God will tell you things that, that, you're, that he will surprise you, like the one I was telling Michael this morning uh, about the visiting these folks and uh, as I walked out the door she was con- totally convicted of soap operas and she tried to be a nice host too but walking out the door I turned around and told her that the Lord I mentioned her in particular but I said Jesus is coming soon and he's coming after pure people and as a result about three or four months later, my wife said to me, Honey, I've never seen you do that before. I said, That wasn't me that did that, and it wasn't. About three or four months later, he called, this man called me, said his wife, he just found her dad in bed. She's only in her 40s. One more. God, Nell Bright, had a sister, Dale. And Nell Bryant, she, I knew her sister was in the nursing home. She'd been in the nursing home ever since I'd been here. I didn't know she was any worse. As on as on a uh, Sunday afternoon, and uh, I was having a devotion, just the Lord and I were talking, and he said, "I want you to do a funeral service." And he told me who it was. Give me the text that I should use. And I started writing. I was working on the, working on the message, and about uh, two or three hours later, I got a phone call. It was Nell. She said, Glenn, Dale just died. We want you to do the service. I said, I know, Nell, I've been working on it now for about two hours. But that's the mighty working power of God. I challenge you this morning just to pray that God will help you to search the deep recesses of your heart. And he will help you. He will help you to, to, and only he can do it. We can't do it. It's a fight and a struggle that we will have as long as we live. That's the toughest fight of all is to die to self. But it's something that God will, if we will spend time with him. You cannot spend time with Jesus without falling in love with him. And when you do, after a while, you'll feel like a swamp at the edge of a majestic mountain.
But when you do, something happens. Something happens. Jesus begins to take the place of self. And I just challenge you today. Try that. We mentioned this morning how we start our day in Sabbath school. I, I like the Sabbath school that Micah had. The way I start mine every morning, I ask God to search my heart and see if there be any wicked way in me. Then I ask for the Holy Spirit. Then I ask for the Holy Spirit. And it's amazing. What's, I've been doing that for some time now, and I'll never stop. And I'll be 90 this coming December, and it's still a struggle. Sometimes self tries to come up. The enemy will come up with things that sounds almost almost perfect, but it's not. It's not. Go to the Scripture, and Jesus will show you the truth or if it's not the truth. I love you. Love you. The Lord loves you, and he wants to do great and super things in your life. I do believe if we follow this, this church would not have a sprinkling of people. This church would be full. I believe that with all of my heart. When that happens and people start searching their own hearts, then you're ready for the latter rain, which I believe is going to come very soon. And it's my prayer that when that latter rain starts, we'll all be a part of that. Let us pray. Father, thank you for loving us so much. Precious Jesus, you are so special. Father, I need you every minute, not just our, but our, every minute. And you're always there for me, and you promised that you would never leave us. Thank you for what you've done in my heart. And some of the, in attendance today and might have, have having the same experience. But those that do not, the friendly arms of the cross to still outstretch, saying, just trust me, trust me. I will fight your battles for you. Thank you for that precious truth and that precious promise that I have experienced and found true. Thank you that at any time in our life we can surrender all and experience the, the experience of having the blessed Holy Spirit active in our hearts and in our life. Help us, Father, today. There might be some that would like, that wants us to uh, surrender all. And Father, this can be done here, it can be done at home. But help us to reflect on what has been said today and reflect on the lovely Jesus that's asking us to surrender all. In his name we pray, amen.